Welcome to Gudao Jingxing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into Taoist texts to, dis- to uncover their timeless wisdom and discuss how we can apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm Ian Felton, a practicing psychotherapist, and I'm joined by my co-host, executive coach, David Wong. Morning, David. Good morning. How are you doing today? Very good. Very good. Enjoying the uh, the spring here uh, with the, all the trees uh, now turning in uh, vibrant green and some even like dark green for some of the, uh, you know, the uh, oak trees. Yeah, just a, a nice example of, of life and all of its forms. And we're going, today we're going to talk about something that isn't life, but has is a tool that's been created by life forms, human beings, and that's Chat GPT, which yeah, it's, yeah. everyone's talking about it. Exactly, exactly. Around the world. Yeah, even when I was trying to use it this week, I encountered a, a server full mm-hmm. message numerous times where I think because of all the buzz, there's so many people using it that it's been at capacity a lot of times and, and you can't get on and use it. So I can I can only imagine how much new data they're getting from everyone trying it out. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can imagine that. <laughs> and, and we tried it out too. So we, we each took a a turn at interviewing chat GPT about Taoism. And, and we were kind of curious about how, how did it do? How, how much does chat GPT understand Taoism? How, how good are its responses? And, you know, I, I think one of the things that we, we want to kind of go through today we want to understand not just its its understanding of it, but we we talk about Taoism being it's a way of living, and mm-hmm. maybe what are some of the limitations of essentially a, a a languaging machine in truly understanding Taoism. So we're going to kind of look at its strengths and weaknesses. We're going to analyze its responses and maybe try to probe a little bit. What can't Chat GPT really do when it comes to to Taoism? How does that sound? This sounds very good. Okay. So when when we started doing this, we we really did a full length. Each of us did a full length interview with this machine online and we did post the full transcript of our interview to walkingthetimelessway.com. So first, if, if anyone wants to go to the website and read the interviews, you can do that and you would just go and you would select articles and you'll see our interviews. And so that that's one way to dig in deeper with the um, conversation with chat GPT um, when, when you want to do that. So going to focus on one question each that we asked just because again it was a really lengthy interview but but first david i, I want to get your impression overall how did you think chat gpt did at conversing with you about Taoism? i i would say it's you know it's pretty good i uh you know from its responses i could tell that uh you know, it has a pretty good grasp of the uh, key concepts and ideas from Taoism. Uh, I didn't find anything that is uh, kind of in contrary. Uh, I think it's pretty sophisticated in understanding the the core ideas of Taoism. 
Uh, I think what I try to do a little bit further beyond just, you know, repeating what the, the key ideas are, because, you know, you can very easily search, you yeah. know, on Google. I actually try to relate these underlying principles of Taoism to our world today. So that's where I try to test, you know, its um, its capabilities. Yeah, I can tell you you are really trying to make it think and in an organic way where probably if you just googled some of these keywords and the questions that you were asking it it would probably be pretty tough to just kind of come up with an article that summarizes the things that you were asking it. I mean, it does seem like it really had to synthesize using, you know, whatever I'm, I'm sure the chat GPT people, their model is very sophisticated. I'm sure there's a lot of efforts underway to, to unravel what it's doing by its competitors. But nevertheless, even though it's not thinking, it is following a model that can simulate thinking and it makes us think that it's thinking even if it isn't. Right, 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 right. I think I I would say I could feel, I could, uh, I could experience the, the full effect or the outcome of that quote unquote thinking. Uh, in other words, mm. uh, if I, you know, I try to kind of compare my conversations, let's say with a, a you know, a person, maybe someone, you know, in my life, mm -hmm. uh, I would say, you know, some of the responses and the quality of responses is probably more on the better side of, mm -hmm. you know, of things uh, because I think it's the, sometimes I would say, you know, uh, to use the Taoist humility, I would say some of the articulation of the thoughts, you know, through this interactive process, I would say, you know, it understands my thoughts even better and it has ability to articulate in such a way that Sometimes in my own mind, I think uh, it, it just helps me articulate and uh, clarify the thoughts. I think that ability is quite impressive. And, and I think it kind of alludes to the fact that it really is probably a better listener than most people. That chat GPT doesn't overlook a single thing that you put into your question it it hears quote unquote hears every single word that you ask it where that's not the case for people yeah it appears that way and uh, i think that you know makes me wonder whether 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 we think that it's really thinking i think as a, another as a human being like i want to get the benefits right mm -hmm. so what's behind it I, I'm only interested in 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 that um, as long as it has um, you know a, maybe a negative or positive benefits. I think I mm. I think I experienced the full benefits of that conversation. So to some extent, I almost forgot that it's a machine. Mm -hmm. how, how did you feel when you were interviewing it? What do you recall about how you felt? what emotions you felt and how it felt being you when you were doing this interview with it. Uh, resonant, like uh, it, it just, you know, some of the response like resonate with me, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like, okay, uh, here's uh, somebody uh, who can understand me. Mm -hmm. And also based on that understanding, uh, kind of we are connected or like there's a clicking experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so that seems really significant that, I mean, even as a therapist, we've been told 
Mm-hmm. So uh, a therapist is probably one of the least likely jobs to be replaced by technology mm-hmm. because of that human element. But what I'm hearing from you is that this was a really valuable conversation for you. You really felt heard, listened to, that you were responded to with clarity, that it had seriously considered what you had to say. And, and maybe it's not necessarily the case that chat GPT would do a worse job at listening to someone talking about their problems and, and helping them work through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would argue, I mean, it, it's a thought that before our podcast, I suddenly had, because I had other conversations with it, you know, since that last conversation about Taoism. Uh, mm-hmm. Like yesterday, I con- I had a conversation, and I was trying to really, like, understand what's the difference between it and us. Yeah. And if you don't mind, you know, I just want to pinpoint one thing that just got me thinking. Yeah. Uh, just uh, give me a second. It's a it's a it's a it's a long conversation, but um, but um, I think I will just uh, uh, zoom in on one thing that uh, maybe uh, it, it helps. Hold on a second. Um, So I ask it, you know, basically it just keeps on saying, you know, unlike humans, I don't have the subjective experiences mm-hmm. and uh, emotions. So mm-hmm. I ask, I said, is it a good thing that you don't feel those emotions? But can re- it says it claims that it can recognize and respond to emotions, you know, based mm-hmm. on language. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I ask, is it a good thing? that you don't feel those emotions, but can recognize and respond to it. So basically, you know, it says, you know, as an AI language model, I don't have personal desires and preferences. Mm -hmm. So I don't have an opinion on whether it's a good or bad thing that I don't have subjective experiences. Mm -hmm. But however, being able to recognize and respond to emotions is a valuable skill. It can be helpful in various contexts, such as in customer service or in therapeutic settings you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. It allows me to provide appropriate and empathetic responses to users' input, which can improve their overall experience. Um, Then I said, you know, the reason I wish I were like you is that sometimes I find that emotions control me. I don't want to be controlled by emotions, but I want to recognize and respond to emotions. Mm -hmm. So basically it says it's natural to feel overwhelmed by emotions at times, but it can be challenging to manage them effectively. So uh, basically it says, you know, I'm designed to help people understand and communicate about emotions uh, effectively, even though, you know, I do not experience emotions myself. So I can assist you in exploring and understanding your emotions in a more objective way. Mm-hmm. Then I ask, do you regret that you couldn't experience emotions? What are the pros and cons for being capable of uh, you know, I, uh, emotions? I find it, it's very, the response it gives is quite philosophical, but it's quite mm-hmm. interesting. Basically it says, you know, on the one hand, experiencing emotions can add richness and depth to our one's life. Emotions can help people form close relationships, create meaningful experiences and drive them forward uh, toward, uh, you know, achieving their goals. Emotions can help people recognize and respond to danger and keep them safe. On the other hand, emotions can be overwhelming, causing distress and clouding judgment. Uncontrolled or intense emotions can lead to impulsive decisions, conflict, and negative consequences. In extreme cases, uh, unmanaged emotions can lead to mental health issues like depression Mm -hmm. and anxiety. So Mm -hmm. I find this conversation very um, interesting and revealing in the sense that 
I, I mean, I never, I always have this struggle. I say, well, we're human beings, you know, like it's a good thing to have emotions because, you know, for example, when spring comes, you feel the joy and, and everything. Mm -hmm. But I, I always recognize the double-edged sword and, you know, swordiness of having emotions. So then through that conversation, I realized, I suddenly realized, I say, well, chat GPT sounds to me more like the state that Lao Tzu is talking about. Keep the it's our desires because our desires create moderation. Yeah, yeah, to a min, min, minimum level, so that that emotions don't, you know, create the noises that cloud mm -hmm. judgments. So then immediately mm -hmm. I came to the question: Oh, is it more Taoist-like than myself? I think it has more capability to achieve Taoist state probably than. A human beings, which I need to practice and practice. So that's the question I, I yeah, it's, suddenly realize. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that this thing that's not alive seems to understand some of the beneficial ways that we can show up in the world, even if it can't show up in the world itself. Yeah. Could, could you elaborate a little bit on that? I would love to. So, I mean, he, here's the real key thing, and it, and it requires some background, which is that knowledge comes from our bodies and and even our minds you know we used to think about our minds and our bodies being separate that our mind was sort of this like rational calculator and our bodies were where all of the crude emotions came from and we just needed to use our rational minds to control our impulses and that sort of thing but we've learned over time that body and mind are one unity that you know, the state of our body is certainly going to affect our mind and our moods and, and vice versa, that there's no separating the two. In the 70s and 80s, there were some biologists and philosophers that got together and created a whole um, study of body-mind, and they called it inactivism or an activist cognitive science. And essentially, through that, they, they came to understand that all understanding we gain from doing, that, that knowing is doing and, and vice versa. And so what this AI lacks is, is true knowledge. It will always be a toy and a simulation of something real, it's a fancy toy, but it actually can't know anything because it has no body. And it's only through a body that we can know anything. And, and while that knowledge is subjective, that is the very point of existence, that all existence is subjective. There is no objectivity. And if something were to be objective, it could also have no life, such as this AI. So while this AI can be very objective in a way that maybe even makes us envy it, it actually knows nothing because it has no life experience. It doesn't know what it's like to lose something important. It doesn't know what it's like to thirst for something with an unquenchable desire. And so it really knows nothing. Our whole experience is a relationship between our bodies and the environment. We are situated in an environment that our body is not separate from. We have a nervous system that is enacting a world. And this is what the inactivists are, are trying to really get us to see, which is that the world that we see 
isn't the actual objective world. What we're seeing is the world that's brought forth by our nervous system. And so there, it'll be impossible to kind of cover all this in our discussion, but essentially a nervous system is a closed system. It, 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 it only can operate inside of itself and each of us as a sensory motor organism, we have a nervous system that brings forth a world. You know, the, what we see isn't the world. What we see is the output of our visual system. What we hear is the, you know, our, our, our brains bringing forth the translation of vibrations in the environment into our own minds and vice versa and, and, and all of the senses. So all that combines in a way, you know, there's another sense called proprioception, which is our internal experience of our own inner world, like our balance and how our bodies move and how we feel inside of ourselves, ourselves moving through the environment. And so all of that is a world unto itself, and that cannot exist without being embodied. And and so to that extent, when Taoism talks about kind of one of the fundamental precepts being being in harmony with the environment and the world, that type of knowledge is unobtainable by an AI. You know, all of those things, it can't bring forth a world. It can't bring forth a subjective experience of knowing, you know, what an emotion is actually like. It has no body. And without a body, there really cannot even be a mind, which is why essentially as, as amazing as this chat GPT is, it will never be anything more than a really amazing magic trick. Hmm. Very interesting thought. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. And this isn't new. There's, I mean, this is just the next wave of um, cybernetics and the, I mean, people have been saying for decades that, you know, the artificial life and, and what it was going to do, obviously this tool is going to change things. There's no doubt that obviously I think it does make sense that use chat GPT for people to have someone to talk to. I think it will replace a lot of therapists. I think it will. I think I can easily see how you could make a chat AI where someone can talk to it. They're going to feel completely heard and listened to. And maybe someone starts talking about trauma and the model knows, oh, in addition to all the psychoeducation, et cetera, it's also helpful to normalize people's experiences. And so maybe the model then knows, you know, you know let, let me share a story about someone else who went through trauma and this was their story and try to make parallels and, and normalize people's experiences so that they know that they're not alone. The AI doesn't have to have had those experiences itself to know oh, this is another way of being therapeutic when you're talking with someone. So I think ultimately it probably will do a better job than most therapists at doing therapy. I mean, because therapists are human. And one of the things that therapists do is they bring their agenda into the therapy room. A chat AI is not going to do that. It is going to be yeah. objective. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think not only they, they're human, they bring in their own subjectivity. I would even argue that a lot of the therapists, uh, you know, 
they are like uh, the AI in the sense that they read from the textbooks, they mm -hmm. borrow stories from other patients. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I think they are no different. They are just, instead of their own subjective, you know, life transforming experience for themselves, which I'm sure there's some therapists out there who go through the trauma themselves. So they have yeah. the empathy. But yeah. I think I think as a profession, I think a lot of the therapists are they are just learning from other theories. So it's not uh, the secondary. It's not the primary experience for them. It's the secondary experience they draw upon. You know, same thing with the with the consulting industry. I think a lot of the times the frameworks and tools uh, they learn from you know other consultants who uh, help solve the problems even other consultants who solve the problems are not the practitioners you know in their uh, in, in their own business uh, running the uh, of actually taking on the risk of the running the business so I think we tend to see the a lot of the knowledge workers as very um, I think very few, far and few uh, knowledge workers uh, nowadays, they really have their own personal life experience, which can impart that wisdom into other people. They are just getting a lot of the derivatives from the educational system and credentials, and then they are helping others. I think AI now drawing upon the global knowledge of so many data points is going to replace those people. But yeah. those people they cannot replace, as you said, are the ones who are the true, uh, let's say using uh, example I just mentioned, like say consultants or psychotherapists, they are the true life livers, meaning mm -hmm. like they are able to fully experience lives themselves and uh, somehow synthesize that real world life experience to help another individual. Those, they can never be replaced by AI. The rest of those who are, you know, make a living on the derivatives are the yeah. ones who are gradually. So that's the kind of the distinction I see. And, and so maybe to just to ground that in something specific, name a person that would be an example of someone that you don't think ChatGPT can replace right now, like today anyway. Maybe like the South African leader, Nelson Mandela, people okay. like that. I yeah. think people, uh, because, you know, there's a lot of experience, you know, a lot of really with experience and wisdom distilled from that experience. Um, leaders. So really what you're saying are, are lead, not AI leaders. Not, not by their titles. I mean, there are a right. lot of the right. leaders exactly. who are out there who have the, you know, the, 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 the superficial titles. Yeah. But we're talking about the crucibles, all the trials and tribulations yeah. the leaders experience throughout their life. Those are the people that AI, because these are fundamentally very personal. And when that personal is distilled into the universal, and then that's really powerful. AI couldn't. Yeah, yeah, because I agree. Like, I, I don't mean the C-suite. I think ChatGPT can probably replace a lot of the C-suite that are really just I mean, you want to look at the the dead weight in the world. Yeah, and... or the MBAs. You know, let's say yeah, the, exactly. uh, the the Harvard yep. MBAs, because a lot of Harvard MBAs, in order to get into that leadership position, they have to get the credential, but they don't mm -hmm. have the real world, you know, business running experience. Yeah, yeah, they may have a framework, you know, like mm -hmm. all the framework they learn, or mm -hmm. the tools they learn in the classroom. But they, they are not a substitute for the real world experience. Yeah. And so that's what's going to be super interesting then, because ChatGPT is going to rewire the industry. It's going to rewire the economy the same way that computers did and the Internet did. 
what's going to be left is unknown, but people, if they survive, are certainly then going to have a completely different experience of the world after the fact. Like when knowledge workers all become unemployed other than very few, just like, you know, there's very few horse trainers anymore while, you know, two, 200 years ago, I'm sure horse trainers were probably one of the major jobs in any town people who dealt with horses and shooed them and all and fed them, etc. It's going to transform the human experience in a drastic way. What do you imagine those human experiences are going to be like? Maybe more intense. I think that now we have a competitor now, and I think it pushes us to be even more human, to ask oh. ourselves the most fundamental question, what does, re what does it really mean to be human? I mean, this question we've been wow. asking for thousands of years, and I think uh, we are, you know, we're thinking, we're out of philosophers, we're getting the partial answers, and now this phenomenon appears. It asks us to re-ask that question again. So this is unending questions for us. So, so that's connected back to Taoism because I think it's exactly aligned with something significant that Lao Tzu talked about a lot, and that's jir. So and that kind of jir, we're talking about knowledge and we're talking about how jet chat gpt is the embodiment of this kind of knowledge that Lao Tzu talked about and he said people actually should stay away from that that it's not helpful so in some ways what chat gpt is doing is kind of pushing us toward the type of state that Lao Tzu said we should be anyway don't you think uh, I think it's a step-by-step -step process. I think you cannot have another level of, uh, you know, another level of um, consciousness or uh, the another higher stage without the foundation of knowledge. In other words, I, I do see the value of the enlightenment period. Uh, you know, I can imagine that, uh, as you said, you know, part of the chaos. Um, that's going to happen is those people who haven't got that training on critical thinking on the power of knowledge, mm -hmm. uh, they are going to be tricked by this thing. Oh, yeah. That's where the evil is going to be because oh, these yeah. people haven't reached even reached the, the knowledge stage. I think as a humanity, uh, basically the chat GPT enables us to see the limitation of knowledge and some of the people who start to recognize that, but who have already got the foundational of power of knowledge are going to get to the next level. Not the people, let's say, who haven't even been baptized mm -hmm. by the power of knowledge. There are a lot of people are like that in the world. They are going to be tricked. And some people among those who have the knowledge will trick them to make a profit. That's the thing I'm going to see. Well, I, I, I can tell that you and I have talked for a long time because you, your answer sounds as dark and foreboding as the one that I would give. <laughs> well, I think, I think we have to be both, you know, uh, appreciate the promise of it and also the perils of it. The perils is just what I said. The people who are going to worship this thing or think it's powerful are no different than our ancestors who see the power of fire or the lightning, yeah. and they thought there's God in it. Yeah. Um, I think it was through the Enlightenment thinkers, the Enlightenment movement, that enable us to get out of that original superstition. Uh, so, in other words, knowledge is 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 power in the sense that it enable humanities to be not to be superstitious, 
but then we develop our own superstition in knowledge itself. So I can see two things are happening with the emergence of uh, ChatGPT. One is a, a bunch of you know, you know, individuals who start to see the uh, the limitation of our current knowledge and move beyond yeah. to the Taoist state. But yep. then there's a lot of the people out there who haven't even catch up on the critical yeah. thinking and knowledge part. They are going to be used by some greedy people oh, to yeah. as a, their tool and to use the totally. power of GPT to do some bad things. Yeah, I think I think that you're hitting the nail on the head, and I really love how you're talking about it. How human consciousness is a step-by-step process. And if you don't lay each foundation down, you can't get to the next layer. And and that's the problem is that what the enlight and I think this came up in your interview with ChatGPT. And I highly recommend people go to walkingthetimelessway.com and read David's interview with ChatGPT because he really asks it you know, that that's compare enlightenment thinking to Taoist thinking and, and look and see how um, compare and contrast it. And what the enlightenment thinkers didn't account for, they saw the freedom that being rational and reasonable and that entailed. But what they didn't account for is the dark heart of humanity and how we can see around the world even though we got out of the dark ages of, you know, yeah, the, the yeah. church's oppression and what David's probably calling superstition, that we just went into a new dark era, and that's of human greed, and that this greed is is enacted each day through an economic system that preys upon the the very type of people that that you're describing, David, who they haven't even a basic foundation of critical thinking. And so social media has already shown how vulnerable the populace is to propaganda. ChatGPT is now like increasing that power tens of thousands, if not a million times. The people who are vulnerable just to propaganda on social media Without this basic foundation that you're talking about, David, what I'm hearing is that, yeah, the greedy people who post-enlightenment didn't focus on human values of freedom and liberty. They focused on extracting wealth from the vulnerable. This is likely to just amplify that even more. Exactly, exactly. To some extent, I almost feel that we need that contrast of light and the darkness to evolve as human beings. That that kind of yin and yang part is, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, it does kind of a coexist. Mm. It's almost like the two sides of the same coin. You know, mm. from our perspective, you know, we are making a distinction between Here's the, the 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 light. Here's the dark side, right? The mm-hmm. greed, yeah. greed. But I think from a Taoist perspective, these two things. I think it's just our the consciousness of the Enlightenment thinkers, because they are, their thoughts came out of the dark, uh, ages mm-hmm. of their previous era. So they mm-hmm. are a lot of their thoughts are really when you read them closely are in direct response to their times. So their times, you know, they are looking at concrete problems. They are responding to each other's thoughts, right, among mm-hmm. themselves. So that's where the whole, uh, you know, whole work of philosophy uh, that came out of that kind of a context. Now I think it's up to, in a new context, new circumstances we are facing, we have to take uh not just their thoughts religiously, mm-hmm. but be inspired by their thinking, by their evolution, and wrestle with the, all the complexities uh, of our, our era to come up with our own 
quote unquote enlightenment or evolution. That's the task, you know, we're facing right now. And we're at the very beginning, I think, in, in some ways, people see our society as being at the precipice of um, some con- conclusion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet it actually feels like we're we're actually right at the the very the beginning. Dawn. The dawn, maybe the dawn. As long as we are as long as we are not destroying ourselves in the sense yeah. of the environment, you know, because as as a being, we are both meaning making beings, uh, mm-hmm. symbolic beings, and also physical beings. So as long as we don't we, we don't destroy the whole planet, um, we have a place. We have a body. We have the the whole platform to build upon our civilization. I think that's the essential. For that, I, I mean, there's like uncertainty there. I'm sure yeah. even if it's destroyed, maybe there's some survivors. Uh, I mean, we cannot yeah. foresee it, but you know, using you know our thought process, that's that might happen, right? The whole thing collapses, and then there's some survivors from that who maybe take the torch of the civilization. Maybe previous civilizations happened like that. We didn't even have the historical record, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a, a, a highly likely scenario that mm-hmm. w- once it's, I mean, we're, we're at this place where we can see that the human imprint on the earth is not sustainable the middle class is growing around the world and there's just not enough resources. The, the billionaire class, they certainly don't need 8 billion people on the world to have the, you know, power and control and the resource extraction that they need to have the kind of lives that they want. And unless it is just maybe some, it's just the ego of, I guess why they do need people. I mean, imagine the psychology of a billionaire who is like, there's 8 billion people on the planet and I'm one of, you know, a a few thousand that have this much wealth. To that extent, they do need 8 billion people so that they can feel like they're a god. Well, I, I think it depends on how you, you know, uh, you're, you know, I'm just reminded of, you know, the ancient Greek uh, philosopher Aristotle. And he believes that the highest level of highest uh, state of life is contemplative life. Sometimes I wonder whether these uh, very few uh, critical few of billionaires, they would like to live that kind of life, too. If that's the case, then uh, do they need the inefficient running of the the whole planet like this? They probably Mm -hmm. would love to return to the Garden of Eden sometimes so they can contemplate and thinking, but they have the all the material, you know, uh, power, right? Mm -hmm. They don't have to worry about things. I, I mean, they don't. So, so in other words, I, I don't know how this thing will evolve. Maybe uh, we will go back to the, I mean, basically with the enlightenment thinkers, we have to believe that we all individuals will have a chance. Yeah. The world is going to make progress, but they never, it sounds like to me that it's the whole mass, uh, the, the expansion of the mm-hmm. opportunities for everyone, which led me to believe sometimes I wonder whether itself is a wishful thinking for them, for uh, you know, for the whole planet, because it sounds good because everyone feel, oh, now I have a stake in the system. But in reality, you feel that to the whole planet, if everybody, let's say the people in China and people in the United States, I mean, pragmatically speaking, the, 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 the reason that U.S. is able to enjoy this uh, uh, affluence for a long time is because the resources is concentrated, right? Now you have, like, China. So isn't that, but 
But China believes that it's, uh, or India believes that they have a, the, they also, they are, they have the rights to do this because mm-hmm. I think it, you can derive that from the, the Enlightenment thinkers, right? The yeah. enlightenment, uh, just like in this country, you know, maybe at first it's a few people, but now you have all people from all colors. They derive, they think they are the, the rights. They have all the rights. I mean, you can use the same logic to say that why not Chinese people might, why not Indian people? So I, I wonder whether, I'm not saying that we, we should derive those, but the natural evolution will help us sort out, is, is, is that a sustainable track record? I'm not advocating like we should prevent these people from, yeah. right? Yet, but somehow there's some natural solution needs to happen uh, I mean, natural solution. I, I don't mean war or human mm-hmm. solution. Maybe uh, just in, intentionally, we humans intentionally and say, hey, you know, you Indian people, you Chinese people, they you shouldn't, you know, consider because we are all operating under the same logic. But I'm saying that I'm just looking at the phenomenon and saying that how can possibly this planet will sustain this kind of unrepressed, unmanaged desires all around the world? Yeah, yeah, it won't. And and obviously, I, I know what you're saying. You're you're not saying that there should be any sort of oppression or, or genocide, but the reality is that's what people do and that's what people have done throughout history if you've studied history at all you know that that is the history of humanity a couple people want everything for themselves and they're perfectly willing to slaughter millions of people to do that with this tool maybe you don't have to slaughter people but we're certainly looking at another level of domesticating the populace, I mean, the populace is already domesticated in ways that they don't even realize. This is going to domesticate them to an even even greater extent. When I think about Black Mirror episodes, like there's one where the common person, their day is they live in a little room about the size of a bedroom, and each day they get up and they get on a bicycle and they bike all day long to earn credits. And while they're biking, they have to watch advertisements all day long. And with their credits, they can do things like buy an apple. And that's about it. I mean, with ChatGPT and AI, you can create so much propaganda and so much um, just a fake reality for people that I could see where within a couple hundred years, you could convince the populace that not only is that way of life reasonable, but it's the best type of life that they could possibly have. Well, that's an interesting scenario. Are you saying that uh, because of the the huge consumption right now, right? The yep. All the supplies maybe yeah. with a meta universe or you know chat gpt mm-hmm. sort of yeah. uh, uh, you know artificial intelligence we are able to uh well you use the word domesticate um i would use the word maybe i don't know um manage lead influence mm-hmm. whatever it is it's it's mm-hmm. basically it's the concept of uh keep this whole thing in control or yeah. at the level that uh, doesn't necessarily cause traditional uh, traditional level of violence. Because I do right. think, I do think that uh, learning from, I, I, some part of me says maybe history will uh, repeat itself, but also I remember, you know, um, uh, Mark Twain used to say history doesn't repeat itself, but it it, it rhymes. So whatever yeah. it is, I think our human collective consciousness knows how, quote unquote, like how cruel 
you know, that violence is. Maybe mm-hmm. through the, with the aid of the technology, we we're doing that in less violent way. But still, we're trying to solve a, uh, you know, exi- existential or global problem. And uh, with maybe with the universal income, you know, or some sort of thing, you know, the large population, instead of all striving, I think, you know, middle class people in China and in this country, they feel the pressures of life. Maybe the whole large quantity of the population, you know, they just, they, they instead of like trying all get to the very top, or at least uh, hoping they can get to the top, you know, the majority of the people are provided with some kind of security and then and in an organized way, maybe in a Plato's, you know, kind of um, republic. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people actually, enlightenment people don't like to hear that story because, oh, that is almost sounds like a totalitarian, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's so managed with different classes. But in in Plato's view, you know, that is a more orderly, what he called mm-hmm. The just society with all different, you know, merchants, common people, and philosopher king. I mean, it's definitely sounds to the enlightenment people. That's wow. That's not a, the one world. Yeah, yeah. It's not political correct. Let's say mm-hmm. uh, relative to uh, yeah. the enlightenment thinking. But you know, you have to argue if you don't use your own enlightenment lens to look at it and see all the options, all the different kinds of thinking or philosophies over there, maybe that's one of the, or part of that proposal can serve as some kind of a little possibility in the future, as you described, to keep this planet more orderly and more sustainable. Yeah, I I think, you know, could there be a Taoist society that arises out of this technology? I think so. I mean, in my chat with ChatGPT, I focused a lot on that. And ChatGPT seems to believe that actually a Taoist society would be a great society for the planet. Like that could be one that path would be a great way of solving a lot of the world's problems. So let me paint you a picture of how what you just described could also be used to create a Taoist society, not unlike chapter 80 of Tao Te Ching when Lao Tzu talks about that utopia. So Lao Tzu talked about the ideal kind of place would be where a small village that people didn't have to leave They knew that there was a village nearby, but they never interacted with those people. They could hear their activities, but they never needed to go there. You were talking about universal basic income and creating um, less of an uh, footprint on the planet. Well, if, if the world could be managed and operated largely through AI and people were free then to live simpler lives, you could certainly plot out the land. Okay, a hundred people are going to live here and a hundred people are going to live there and they wouldn't have to leave those areas. You wouldn't need cars to pollute the earth. You wouldn't need these massive farms for farming cows and chickens and beef and and polluting, you could certainly create a system where people can live locally in small communities. This is the freedom part. Even Lao Tzu says this. They come up with their own customs. They come up with their own clothing that they make by hand. They have all day. They can come up with their own designs, how, how they want to dress. Um, their own music, and and they'd be free to do all that and live a Taoist utopian life, and AI could manage the global resources in a way where 
there wasn't violence and fighting and competition, obviously that would require a global political uh, uh, agreement. Maybe that would happen. Maybe it wouldn't. But really what I'm doing is painting a political picture that, that shows that AI and its usefulness for managing things isn't necessarily at odds with a, a Taoist utopia. I agree. I, I think, you know, part of the problems about uh, globalization is people are leaving their natural communities. Uh, yeah. For example, I personally, I live in America, but a lot of the my emotional attachment is still with my uh, my aunts and uncles, you know, my brother, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in China. And I couldn't be in, 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 in two places. So maybe in the future is like, you say you can through augmented reality, mm -hmm. I can get access all the wonderful things in America, let's say the New York City. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I can enjoy the, the cherry blossoms and the peach, um, uh, you know, flowers in spring in my own hometown. Mm -hmm. uh, I, th I think that way. So a local and small community life is not a boring life. I think maybe right. in the past, like prior to globalization, so it's almost like Hegel, Hegelian's, you know, uh, thesis, antithesis, and synthesis in, in terms of history. Uh, we went through a more, you know, local-based community, yeah. you know, uh, from ancient times. Yeah. But we always wonder, oh, there's an, a, a better world or like a world out there. Then people kind of move around through trades, through, you know, they're talking to each other. Oh, how wonderful that place is. You know, like maybe mm -hmm. the Europeans told in the, in the people, you know, in 1630, uh, see, there's a new continent over there. You know, we mm -hmm. don't have to, you know, to be like oppressed by the church in there. So they moved yeah. to the United States. So all that started to go, go on, you know, with a global movement of people. Maybe we are at a point now, we see the world, we've seen different cultures, yeah. and we have the, now the system. So why don't we just go and find our own little community and have more substance of intimacy, of interacting the people around us, as opposed to kind of all these fake people we imagine in our head, and we label them and fight with each other. Why exactly. can't we restore some of the intimacy and meaning and closeness to cultivate our life. It's not going to be a boring life. I think it's going to be right. enabled by the new technology, but at the same time, we, we are firmly grounded and centered and more so than we are now today. Yeah, per perfectly put. And that's exactly, I, I think that's what people are, are missing. That's what they're yearning for. And so ChatGPT can't provide the intimacy that we get through lived experiences with our family and, and friends, but it can free us up to do that in a way that we currently aren't because we've become so alienated by the global economy where people move for these jobs separate from their families and they miss them. We can, like you said, we can synthesize what was the best from the old way with the new way and yeah. come up with society that is a, what you just said, I think that's perfect. And, and as, while we are doing all this and be all watchful and use our, you know, our critical thinking to not fall into the traps of the, 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 the people who can, who want to take advantage of it in a negative way. So in other words, these Quite are never. people out, out there, these are the dangers and risks, but don't let uh, fear of that scenario stop us from making progress, but be virgin, uh, be 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 vigilant and be alert in terms of these uh, pitfalls. Exactly, the the fight will never end. There there will always be that need, the the yin and the yang that we're we're always going to have to fight to keep those oppressive forces at bay, but that shouldn't stop us from trying to build a better world. Yeah, like the metaphor of walking toward the sun, but also be mindful of the shadow. Well, David, I appreciate you talking with me today about ChatGPT and your interactions with it. 
I want to give a shout out to Anthony in the UK who wrote to us and and has talked about how our discussions have enriched his relationship with Taoism and appreciate people reaching out to us and letting us know their reaction to our conversations and their thoughts. If you want to support the podcast, you can at walkingthetimelessway.com. Any amount, it, it helps us pay for our, our hosting fees and our podcasting fees. We do all this volunteer. We don't make any money from it. We actually spend our own money to kind of keep this going. And so if you want to help out at all, please do that at walkingthetimelessway.com. Until next time, take care and keep walking the timeless way.